It is week 18 in Maseches Chagiga with the Sydney Colonel, sponsored in Nishmas in memory of Sarah Brian Dubat Yecheskul Halevi. We hold in Gemara Dafyut Chesam at base, five lines up from the bottom of the page, the start of a new brysa. The brysa says, Tanarabran the rabbis taught any brysa, Hanotel Yodov, someone who washes his hands, Niskavin, if he had intention to purify them for Tahara, to convert them from a state of ritual impurity to a state of Tahara ritual purity, then Yodov Tahoris, then his hands are indeed Tahar, they are indeed pure. But learning if he didn't have intention for Tara, Yodov Tomeus, his hands remain Tommy, they remain ritually impure. And so to someone who immerses his hands in a mikvah in circumstances where that is required and helpful to convert his hands from a state of ritual impurity to a state of ritual purity, Niskavain, if he had intention to purify his hands, Yodov Tahoris, then his hands are indeed Tahar. But learning Yodov Tomeus, if not, his hands remain Tommy. So the Bryser has taught us that when it comes to washing or dipping one's hands in a mikvah, if a person has intent to purify his hands, then that works. But if he doesn't have intent, if he's just washing his hands, and then afterwards he realizes he washed his hands, it doesn't work, it doesn't help him. He has to wash them again with intent to purify them. So the Gemara asks, Vahatanya, haven't we learned in a different Bryser, whether he had intention or not, his hands are tahor. So which is it? Is it like the first price that you have to have intention? Or is it like the second price so that intention does not matter? Amr of Nachman, of Nachman said, Lo kasha, there's no difficulty. Kan l'chulin, in the second price, so when do we say you don't need to have intention, the washing still works? That's when he's eating chulin. Chulin is unconsecrated food. Whereas in the first brysa, we're talking about where a person's purifying his hands for Masa Sheni, or indeed anything above Masa Sheni. Like we said, there were five levels in the Mishnah, but Masa Sheni is the first level in, the, in our Mishnah that is first, the first level up from Chulin, from unconsecrated food. So for Masa Sheni or anything above it, a person would have to have intent. So the Gemara has now said that when it comes to Chulin, unconsecrated food, you don't require specific intention to purify your hands. But for Masa Sheni, and, and certainly for higher levels of sanctified foods, a person would require intent. So the Gemara asks, From where do you know that Chulin, unconsecrated food, does not require intention? Where can you prove that from? So the Gemara says, This now as we learned in the following Mishnah in Mikvos. The Mishnah says, Gal shenislash If a wave containing 40 sa'a became detached from the sea, so an enormous amount of water, 40 sa'a is the minimum amount of water required for a kosher mikvah. It's about 200 gallons of water. And to have a kosher mikvah, that's one of the conditions to have a kosher mikvah. And if a wave of 40 of this, you know, 200 gallons of water, 40 sa'a becomes detached from the ocean and fell on someone, it fell on a person or utensils, then Tahorin. The Mishnah says they are Tahor. Whatever it fell on, people or utensils become Tahor. And this is not simply a case of a mikvah detaching from the sea and making someone Tahor, because actually there are a couple of rules at play here. The first rule is that to create a valid mikvah, as we've said, you need 40 sar. You also need the water to be stationary. The water needs to be non-flowing. But that's only true if we're talking about rainwater. If we're talking about a natural spring or a stream fed by a natural spring, then it doesn't need a minimum of 40 sar. And it can even be flowing. It can even be zochelin. It doesn't have to be gathered and stationary. It can even be flowing. But such a body of water that's moving, it's not really called a mikveh. It's called a ma'ayan. So there's a great question, a great machlokas, whether see whether the ocean is considered to be a mikvah or a mayan. That's a machlokas in the Tanaim, in authors of Mishnahis and Bryces in, in Mikvahos, in the Mishnah Mikvahos. 
The Mishnah that we're quoting here follows, follows the view of Rabbi Yossi, that a sea is considered to be a ma'ayan. And therefore, since this wave emanated from the sea, it can affect tahara, it can affect ritual purity on something, on an object or a person, even though it's in motion. On the other hand, since it came from the sea, it's considered to be a mikvah in as much as it requires 40 sar, even though a mayon doesn't require 40 sar. It's considered to be a mikvah, it requires 40 sar. So it has properties of both a mayon and a mikvah. On the one hand, it can affect tahara, ritual purity on something, even though the water's moving. On the other hand, it requires 40 sar like a mikvah. So what have we learned from this Mishnah? We've learned from this Mishnah that if a wave breaks away from the sea and it's got the right volume of water and the right properties for a mayan and for a mikvah, everything is needed to purify, it can land on utensils or land on a person and purify them. So the Gemara says, The Mishnah teaches that the case of a person is parallel to the case of utensils. It groups them together. And therefore you can learn as follows, that they're similar. Just like utensils, they don't have a mind of their own. Clearly utensils don't have any intent to become pure. And yet they become purified. So half Adam, so to a person which is grouped with utensils in this Mishnah, it must be the person didn't have intent to immerse himself. And yet you see the Mishnah says he is Tahar. So that seems to prove that intention for purification is not required for Chulin. Because a person is comparable to utensil. Utensil doesn't have intent. So to a person doesn't require intent. So the Gemara challenges this proof. The Gemara says, How do you know from here that a person doesn't require intent to become purified for non-consecrated food? Maybe we're dealing with a person here in this Mishnah who's sitting on the shore and anticipating when is the wave going to become detached from the sea and fall upon me. I'm waiting for this. I'm having intent to become purified as soon as the wave detaches and falls on me. And actually, it's not a person that's comparable to utensils. It's the other way around. The utensils are similar to the person. As follows, Just like the person is capable of intent and requires intent. So too, when it comes to utensils, the Mishnah is talking about a case where a person had intent for the kalim, the utensils, to become purified. And actually, you can't prove from this Mishnah that a person can become purified without intent. Actually, you do need intent. If you're going to counter that if we're talking about a case where a person's sitting and anticipating the wave's arrival, then what is the Mishnah coming to tell me? What's the novel ruling? Is it not obvious that if a person has intent and then a wave detaches from the sea and falls on him and he's, a, he's waiting for it to come and he has intent to become purified? Why is the Mishnah teaching me that? Isn't that obvious? Isn't that just like a person going to the mikvah and having intent? Surely it would seem from the Mishnah that the whole point of the Mishnah is to teach me it doesn't require intent. So why, why do I need the case of the Mishnah if it's not to teach me that because you might have thought because you might have thought that even if a person had intent for the wave to purify him you might have thought that it doesn't purify him because you might have thought the rabbi said you know what that case is too similar to another case in which a person does not become purified and we worry people will get confused that if we allow them to become purified in a wave that detached from the sea they might come to allow it in other cases as well and therefore the Mishnah comes along to teach you that no even in this case where the wave became detached from the sea and a person had intent to become purified even there it works it becomes purified now what are these other cases that we would we might be worried about getting confused about we might be worried people might get confused about if we allow them to to become purified with a wave that they might become they might purify themselves incorrectly in other cases what are those other cases so the first one is with 
someone immersing in a torrent of rainwater running down a steep slope. What is wrong with that? So even if the stream contains 40 sar of water from end to end, you're not allowed, you cannot immerse in a stream of rainwater running down a steep mountain slope because the steepness of the incline causes us to regard each drop of rainwater disconnected from the others. And therefore they don't constitute a single unified mass of 40 sar. Or alternatively, even if the incline isn't that steep to prevent the water from being considered a single mass, the law is that rainwater is invalid for immersion unless it's standing still. So for one of these two reasons, Rashi explains, we cannot allow immersion in rainwater coming down a steep hill. The second case that we might become confused about is Nigzor Russian Atukipin, that the heads of detached waves on account of immersion in their arches. We're worried about people throwing or extending a utensil skyward into the arching middle section of a detached wave and that is not allowed. Why is that not allowed? We're going to see in a moment. But essentially what we're saying is we, we might think if we didn't have this Mishnah in Mikvos that told us that a person could immerse himself if he had intent and then a wave became detached from the sea and immersed him, that works because um, and we shouldn't mistakenly think that that doesn't work out of a concern that a person might therefore get confused and think he can immerse himself in a torrent of rainwater running down a steep hill or immersing, in the, or immersing something in the arch of a wave. That's essentially what we're saying. And therefore we brought the Mishnah Mikvahs to teach us that no, actually you can be immersed in such a mikvah where a rainwater, where, where an ocean wave comes detached from the sea and lands on a person or utensil so long as they had intent. And therefore the Gemara is going to say we don't have a proof now from that Mishnah that a person can immerse for chulin, for unconsecrated food, without intent because this Mishnah doesn't conclusively prove that you don't need intent. And therefore we're going to search for another source for this principle that a person can immerse for unconsecrated food without intent. The Gemara now clarifies the last point from a few moments ago. From where do you know that you can't perform immersion in the arches of detached waves? We said we would come back to this. The Tanis we learned in a Brysa Matbilim Barashim, we can immerse in the heads of detached waves, but not in the arches of those waves. You cannot perform immersion in mid-air. In mid-air, when something is, is detached from the, from the wave, it's detached from the ground. When discussing immersion, Rashi says, the Torah never speaks about a body of water that's suspended in mid-air. And therefore, that does not work. So that's the end of this piece of Gemara. Tomorrow, we're going to return to this question. We now need a new source for this principle that a person can immerse for chulin, for unconsecrated food without intent. But we're going to hold it here for today. I wish you all a very good day.